0: How are you this week? I'm excellent, thanks Ed. Well done for making it through that complicated intro. Uh, well, too have... many. FC United of
1: Manchester, Just it was always a stupid name. It was always a stupid name. And I, I guess they, were living, they wanted to call it FC United, of course, and the FA wouldn't let them. And then they had a vote. And I think uh, FC United of Manchester won by some distance from <laughs> FC Manchester Central and uh, various other forms of Manchester plus FC plus United
0: plus that kind of thing. FC United of Manchester. It's not that hard to say. How's your week been, Ed? It's been a pretty good week on the pitch. It's been a very good week on the pitch, hasn't it? I,
1: I mean, You can not really ask more than a couple of wins. Um, obviously, uh, I think on last week's podcast we said it was going to be a tough game against Spurs. It didn't really turn out that way. Uh, I thought United had, a pretty, in the end, a pretty comfortable victory. And, and Spurs really didn't show much. I guess they were preparing themselves for their... FA Cup final against Inter Milan on the the Tuesday night, and then uh, a, a very very comfortable win against Bursaspor, who I I would argue are, are probably by some distance the weakest team in the Champions League this season.
0: They were absolutely rubbish, weren't they? The game against Spurs, the first half Spurs threatened quite a lot and I was pretty nervous. Obviously, Van der Vaart hit the framework and uh, looked generally impressive in the way that he does. Although, when he went off with a hamstring injury, I was thinking, oh, is that why Fergie didn't buy him? Because I've spent most of the season just thinking, why, why didn't you buy Raphael Van der Vaart? I don't understand why he just didn't, you know, forget all the value in the market talk. I just literally, and Mesut Erzl, I understand why he couldn't get him. But I really don't understand why he didn't buy van der Vaart. Seems like exactly the kind of player we need at a very reasonable price. But yeah, maybe he's really injury prone or something that I'm not aware of. But he looked, he looked lively. And then uh, I suppose the big talking point of, um, of that game was the quite magical, beautiful, total football moment of uh, United's second goal. Ah,
1: oh, it, uh, it was quality all round, especially the bleating from Spurs afterwards. Uh, they're rapidly becoming the Scousers of the South, and yeah, you know, I think we should wear black armbands and hold a minute's silence for them. Brilliant, brilliant Studs Up comic this week on Spurs uh, and their paranoia, so if you haven't caught that, go check Studs Up. Uh, that's Chris Toy's blog. He does a, a weekly cartoon and it's a, a very good summary of, of Spurs supporters after the game. Yeah, obviously loads and loads of fuss about the goal. Uh, somewhere in all that melee, we seem to have forgotten that Spurs didn't actually score a goal. And so we didn't rob them of their impending victory, which uh, appeared to be what everyone was saying. Um and and of course, it was very decisive, five minutes to go, and uh, perhaps Spurs could have built some pressure. They didn't really create anything in the second half, I've got to say, uh, to, to merit an argument that they might you know somehow snatch a draw. But I, I suppose that really did kill them off. And, and, you know, we've all seen it dozens and dozens of times, and every time I see it, I'm absolutely sure it's a perfectly good goal and there's nothing wrong with it.
0: But there you go. The only thing that's wrong with it is it's an absolutely shocking decision from Mark Clattenburg to award advantage. That's that's what's wrong with it um, because there wasn't really that much advantage. Nani was obviously still in the box, albeit lying down on the floor in a state of bemused disappointment. Well, I, I
1: think I think the issue is once the once the goalkeeper has ball in hand, and given that they um, they're you know, it's late in the game, they they're chasing an equaliser supposedly. That is the advantage that he can just he can you know take his few steps up to the edge of there and boot it and that's going to be a lot more rapid and getting much more distance than putting the ball on the ground, taking a free kick, which, of course, he tried to take 10 yards further than the, forward, the actual free kick would yeah, have did. been
0: if it had been given, <laughs> which it wasn't. It, it, was, it was hilarious, and I was sort of very impressed with Nanny's quick thinking, but I understand from people that were at the game that it was much less Nanny's quick thinking and much more Darren Fletcher and Paul Scholes shouting at him that made him put the ball in the net. Yeah,
1: well, there's two ultra-professionals there, yeah. I, I, it's just hilarious how, I mean, you, you could say it was Nanny's quick thinking, but he ran up to the ball, he was obviously annoyed, he's waving, he's gesticulating at the ref, waving at him because he didn't get the penalty. Ran up to the ball, looks at the ref, and is kind of pleading schoolboy manner you know please sir can i take this free kick or shot and uh and gomez nearly got to it in the end and uh uh, he got a hand to it and really should have saved it.
0: it it was funny him looking back at the referee three times or whatever it was it was just a hilarious goal i'd looked away um from my computer uh for a second so i kind of missed it happening in real time and was very confused um I was like, oh, that's a shame he didn't get the penalty. That looked like a penalty to me, kind of thing. Oh, by the way, was it a penalty? Do you think it was a penalty?
1: Well, I, yeah, it is. I mean, it, it's it's. Uh, of course he went down, but unfortunately, if you don't go down those scenarios, you don't get the penalty. Um, and I think probably Nani's reputation uh, played against him there. But it, it was a shirt tug, so that is a foul, right? So technically, it should have been a penalty, and this would have uh, stopped all the, the arguments, although, of course, Spurs would have complained about that. So I think, yes, I think it should have been. I think the, the problem problem is that Nani's uh, fall came half-second after the foul. Uh, La-
0: last thing I want to say about this, Sir Alex's post-match comments. Well, you know, obviously he went down trying to get a penalty, he should have had a penalty, and then the ball hit his arm... <laughs> The yeah, ball, yeah. The, ball, the ball didn't hit his arm he draped his arm over the ball for a minute <laughs> gave it a little cuddle yeah
1: that's that, that stationary ball drew nanny's arm in like yeah you know, <laughs>
0: like that beam from the death star going touch me <sighs> <laughs> exactly nanny he, he's drawn to touch footballs so it's it comes from all those years of sleeping with one um like that sounded weird but i didn't mean it in any kind of weird way he did used to sleep with the football when he was a kid. Well, slightly off topic. Then, uh, so we 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 beat Spurs comfortably. And then we absolutely destroyed Bursaspor. And the kids are all right. Goals from Gabriel Oberton And uh, I hear a terrible rumour that Bebe's goal might have been uh, taken off him and given to the Bursa Sport player. Ah, uh, player. Give, and given back again. So oh, yeah. it has been given back. Oh, good. I'm yes. so pleased.
1: UEFA, uh, have you turned a couple of times on this one? Yes, it was initially given to him. And then the... Uh the video panel who who are actually pretty generous to forwards normally uh then gave it as an own goal and then they changed their mind so um it will go down as bebe's first champions league goal it was basically an own goal i mean the last touch did come off the defender um and so i think that is pretty
0: generous but hey you know i'm sure he'll take that won't he Two and two. If he keeps up this record, it's going to become a United legend in no time.
1: Yeah, it's really, it's really hard to, it's really hard to put a handle on how good he might become because there seems to be a lot of constituent parts that don't work together. Um, yeah. So he's clearly got tons of pace. Uh, I, I, you know, you put him wide right, and he just seems to put his head down and just run and uh, you know clearly he's going to fail because that's uh, that's quite easy to defend I think he has to become a bit more unpredictable he has to have more of his locker sometimes his touch looks great sometimes it just looks a bit schoolboy and it's bouncing off him you kind of think at this stage in his career given where he is in his development cycle he might be better in a, a kind of front three rather than wide right it looks like there's just too much to ask of him in that position but who knows you know he's got a couple of goals it looks like he's has got so much pace that's always going to cause a problem. Problem? You know, can he add more into it um, than that? And uh, we'll see. I guess. I mean, it's a lot of money, as we, as we mentioned last week, you know, hell of a lot of money. United spent more than Spurs spent on Rafael van der Vaart. Uh, in fact, if you include all the agents' fees and other fees that appear to have been paid by the club.
0: Yeah, um, and still leaves me shaking my head. But it was. It, it reminds me of Paolo Onechop That's uh, the player he most reminds me of because he keeps running into a crowd of players with the ball and then somehow you think he's definitely going to lose the ball but then he comes out of it all kind of legs everywhere but still with the ball at his feet and the defenders sort of having fallen over. (laughs) Yeah, well he's a beast of a player, isn't
1: he? So, uh, you know, he's obviously not going to have any trouble with the physical side of the English game. And and he, look for his goal against sport, he made a very smart run. It was a diagonal run. Yeah. It was a striker's run, and you know obviously you expect skulls to pick him out. A wonderful reverse pass, and and uh, he's done enough to to force the goal one way or another. And so you know that 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 told me something. It told me he does have an eye for the goal, and uh, he's very direct. And and you know I think he'll um I think he'll have a minimal impact this season, but that's no more than anyone expected really. And then if he doesn't progress after that then you start to worry and of course you know Obertan scored against Bursa and, and uh, there's a case in point of someone that hasn't really progressed he's been at the club nearly 18 months now and he's still a very very fringe player
0: but blinding finish blinding finish definitely his best
1: game for United you know g- given the class of opposition uh, I guess we can't give him too much credit but um, yeah, and we've seen him do that before. Actually, for the reserves, he belted one in from twenty-five yards. This was a bit closer, and but yeah, great finish. Uh, and look again, a player with all the constituent parts, loads and loads of pace. Obviously, very technical. He's you know he's got a wonderful touch as you'd expect from. Uh, you know, a French attacking player. They all do. You know, Claire Fontaine graduates, uh, a two-man, technically gifted. He he's not a natural striker, but he's just one of this kind of new breed of forward, stroke, wide players. Stroke. You're not really sure where you are place him. I mean, actually, United you know, got a few players like that at the club now, haven't they? He's got the gifts. Uh, can he push on now? Because he hasn't, and uh, it's a it's a you know it's been a slow road for him.
0: Yeah, I mean, I. Uh... I still actually hold out quite a lot of hope for him, I thought. I I thought he was quite impressive a few times last season, I definitely, like you say, he's definitely got the gifts. Um, talking of someone who's uh, perhaps not put their best foot forward on the pitch in a Manchester United shirt in the last year and a half, one Michael Carrick, who you said uh, not two weeks ago on this very podcast... Do we now have to start saying this is no longer a dip in form? This is just Michael Carrick. I think he's taken your words to heart, Ed, because he's uh, he's been pretty good two games in a row, and and I'd argue he was pretty excellent against Spurs
1: Yeah, I mean, he did have a good game against Spurs. He was okay against uh, against Spurs. I, I I mean, you know, I I um.
0: I, D- he was I don't against Spurs. I think I think okay a little harsh. I thought it was at least a kind of seven seven and a half out of ten performance from him. Yeah, but I mean, it's, he's good. I think it was relatively good
1: compared to what he's been. I mean, he's lacked so much oomph, and his passing's been inaccurate, and he just seems to lack that bit of zip and pace to his game. And and I, I've always been a big, big fan, right? And uh, I, he always had his critics at United because he wasn't Roy Keane. I always thought it was really unfair because actually what he did very well was move the ball through midfield very very quickly and very accurately and I think in the, the style of play United evolved to uh, in the sort of 2007 eight, nine period, uh, period he was very central to some of our best performances I, I thought he was really important to United and and so I've always been a big fan and the, the last year has been extremely frustrating for me uh, just not good enough basically and, and he's been lucky that he's still at the club and I think if there had been some takers this summer he would have been gone at least that's the uh the word on the street so this kind of rising form is great if it lasts I mean he's played in the last six games in a row and he's you know as we said a couple of good performances in there and uh, I, but for a club of United's stature, we need more than just a couple of good performances. He need, you know, we need some you know like four or five standout players. That's Manchester United, and uh, so if he can't do that, and it really depends on how much money Ferguson really does genuinely have to spend in the summer, and whether the Glazers think they can get away with taking the dividend or not, he, he might still be out of the squad because he turns thirty in July. Clearly, United need to refresh in the midfield. They might bring in as many as four or five midfielders. We could lose several as well of course Hargreaves, Giggs and Skulls all out of contract. So Carrick could find himself pushed out either to bolster the transfer budget if Ferguson doesn't actually have any money to spend or or on the margins if if Ferguson does. So it's a big season for him I think and I I do think he's fighting for his United
0: future. I I really hope he comes good and, and I think this season we certainly, whatever happens next season, in order for us to have any realistic chance of silverware uh, we need him, well, silverware that's not the Carling Cup, but we need him playing well, because... Uh, I don't think the Carling
1: Cup counts as silverware. It's, it's, no, it's like sort of
0: shiny silver, it's silver foilware.
1: Yeah, yeah, tawdry.
0: Pinchbeck, say- as in
1: Ingar. Yeah, there was such a debate about that piece on the, uh, on the United... Uh, this is uh, Ingar's piece entitled Rooney's Pinchbeck, and I think more of the comments were about what the F does Pinchbeck mean than uh, the actual substance of his article
0: um uh I'd like to just uh, give a quick nod to Brown Andy on Twitter at Brown Andy who uh, asked us to have a bit of a discussion about Michael Carrick on this week's rank cast and uh I think we plan to do that anyway but but uh, but hopefully that that's uh, that's that's covered your Michael Carrick needs for the week um and it'll be very interesting to see whether he keeps his place in the side as we move into uh, two big games. Wolves at home, obviously, you would very much expect United to win that game. Uh, it'll be a stronger Wolves lineup than we saw in the Carling Cup, but also a stronger United team. Well, maybe. Uh,
1: we, uh, maybe? Well, yeah, of course, um United have quite a few injuries at the the moment uh obviously Rooney's out. Uh, Rio should be back. He? Uh, he was uh, is he? Yeah, is he? <laughs> yes, uh yeah, we can reveal that Rooney has an injury. Honest. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, um, no, Rooney, uh, uh, I guess we'll see Hernandez back in the side uh, in a four-four-two type formation. Uh, Rio Fernandes should be back. I mean, they protected him and didn't play him against Bursa's ball. No need, really. Smalling's been in good form. I would assume that Rio would play in both games. But uh, Nani has a groin problem. He, he definitely won't play on Saturday and he's touch and go for the derby, which would be a massive blow to us, obviously, if uh, Nani doesn't play. And Darren Fletcher injured his foot in scoring, so uh, he won't play either on um, Saturday, and uh, he's touch and go for the derby. Uh, I think they'll do anything to have Fletcher in the side. Um, so I guess we'll see skulls. Uh, who, uh, by the way, I thought had a very good game against Bohr. but he does, doesn't he? Against the kind of weaker opposition, he looks magnificent because he scores goals. Um, it's just when we come up against some competition in midfield, he uh, he struggles with the physicality of it.
0: Rio Rio called him satnav this week. I love that. That's a brilliant, brilliant. Um, although it doesn't make any sense actually, because a satnav is a device that uses GPS tracking to tell you where to go. Uh, what he really means is like laser-guided or GPS-guided missile or something like yes. that. Yes, definitely like that. a rio is in that one. Of course, Anderson's had this
1: virus, which also kept out Johnny Evans. Uh, uh, Ryan Giggs it still isn't fit. He may or may not make the derby. I, I would very much doubt he'll, um, he'll be even on the bench against Wolves. I mean, he has been training, but um, obviously not enough yet. Uh, Michael Owen's out for, looks like, four or five weeks. Owen Hargreaves his, uh, his is his calf's
0: gone. Michael yeah. Owen's injured is he? I think we
1: should have a news piece when he's fit. Uh, so uh, quite a lot of lot of players out. Like Darren Gibson had this virus too. Uh, some kind of mystery virus going around the camp, probably or hopefully nothing to do with Wayne Rooney's activities. That's just wrong, Ed. Just, um, just yeah. So yeah, I, quite a depleted I, squad at the moment. So it could mean over ten starts. Have we still got eleven players
0: we can put out on the pitch?
1: Yeah, well we left ten back in Manchester. It was quite a thin squad that uh, United took to Bursa, and it, and they they'll make their eighteen-man matchday squad clearly. But I would have thought. Uh, Bebe will be on the bench again. Open had Tan will probably start. I mean, it does mean Park will start on the left. And he's actually, again, he's had a couple of good weeks, um, hasn't he, Park G. But very specifically, when he moves inside, he suddenly looks like a completely different player, doesn't he? And uh, when he's sticking on the left wing, he's just a massively frustrating player to have on the side. A coward's choice, is, um, as Daniel Harris called it on Twitter. But, um, you know, I, I guess that's going to be the sort of lineup, isn't it? Park? Really made
0: a difference to United against Spurs. Not, not a sentence you. I thought I was going to be saying much this season. But, but we looked at a sort of different side after he came on. He, and and against Spurs, absolutely full of energy and dynamism. The two things that you said he was. Uh, he, he, even those had been lacking this season.
1: Well, that's yeah. right, and that's uh, that's his. Uh that's his sole purpose in life isn't it uh, it's gonna it's going to be a, a slightly weaker united side against wolves uh, but surely united have enough for that game uh, and then of course the derby at eastlands on wednesday
0: yeah how many of those players are going to be back by the derby
1: i i would think they'll do absolutely everything to get Narni and fletcher back i mean that they all leave it to the last moment they'll jab them with needles they'll get Glenn Hoddle out to put his healing hands on them. I don't know. They'll do ev- everything to get those two players back into the side. Anson obviously hasn't played a lot of football, so he isn't really very fit, but I would guess that you know the guys who've had this mystery virus will be okay. Uh, it doesn't look like Giggs will be fit in time, but you know who knows now, the key one's clearly nani because he's the key to a lot of United's creative play i think i think the other thing against city is is uh will ferguson continue with the the two up top or is he more likely to push a player wide will he will he push hernandez wide as he did the other week against spurs i mean very much started sort of on the left hand side and and uh, as part you know went central uh hernandez yeah played more centrally again later um uh, or will he go with proper two up front? Because, I mean, I, that's the other thing I wanted to mention, really. Dimitar Berbatov is looking increasingly frustrated. And uh, I, I didn't like—I just didn't like the attitude he had against Bursa's boys. Moaning at his fellow players, he was punching the floor. It looked very much, if you remember last season's match at Blackburn when United drew nil 0 effectively blew the title. Berbatov was having a strop for most of the game then. And it kind of looked like the return of that. It looks a bit frustrated. No goals in seven games.
0: La 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 la, I'm not listening. La 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 la. Sorry, what was that? Caller? Bad line, bad line. <sighs> Sounded like you were saying that Dimitar Berbatov's not playing well. Now, I, I mean, yeah, it, it was very reminiscent of that Batburn game, which I think is clearly... Um, the Nadir of Berbatov's United career, um, and it was interesting in a team that was functioning so well, and there was so much kind of energy and youth and excitement about that game because what um, you know, regardless of the quality of the opposition, it's still our young players scoring goals in the Champions League, and for a player like Bebe, that must be pretty remarkable. It was kind of sad to see Berbatov with a massive strop on all the way through that game uh, because you know he is kind of a team player and and stuff normally, and and he. he 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 hasn't scored for a while, but he was a, extremely uh, instrumental uh, in the game against Stoke. I thought he had a brilliant game, um, but yeah, he was poor against Spurs and and poor against Bursaspor. Uh, let, let's just hope he comes good. I think it's one of them stupid football cliches, but he needs one to bounce in off his elbow or something, you know, just just a goal to go in, or you know, since it's Dimitar off rather than bouncing one off his backside to go in, maybe just a, a, a spectacular. 18-yard flying volley into the top left-hand corner, you know, th- th- that might do the job as well. I hope he, we really need him to start scoring, don't we? Because, uh, especially with all these injuries, um, knowing exactly where the goals are com- going to come from, I think, you know, if our squad's depleted, you'd have to say City are favourites at home. Beaten by um, everyone at the moment, uh,
1: lost at Lek Poznan last night in their... In the- mighty Europa League although of course they made some changes in that game But um, there are, and there are problems in the camp the in, infighting there are too, too many stories about that for it not to be true even though they're trying Absolutely. to to uh, fight back on that one but what do you expect um, you know, very few of that squad are there because uh, they really wanted to play for Manchester City uh, they, they really wanted their massive pay packet and uh, there are a lot of egos and uh, that's causing some problems
0: and I have to say, and um, you you ask what do you expect? That's exactly what anybody would have expected. I mean, I'm I've been talking about this for since Project City started. They've been signing inc- like just a bunch of really obnoxious and difficult to work with people. Um, I mean, I don't know them personally, so they might not actually be obnoxious, but they certainly have that kind of reputation in football. I mean, Craig Bellamy is much maligned, although. There's a really, really interesting article in The Guardian about some work that Craig Bellamy's been doing in Sierra Leone, um, which I don't know if I've mentioned this on, on the Rankcast before, but was a really extraordinary story about um, uh, some project work he's been, in, been doing there and the level of his own personal involvement in that was really pretty remarkable. And Adebayor obviously had a very, very traumatic experience last year, but clearly has some pretty serious personal issues. And, and ego problems and Carlos Tevez not 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 a straightforward character by any means no well he's desperate to retire he talks about it every
1: week which is
0: so odd
1: I think it's he so just strange. misses home I think he's thousands yeah. of miles away from his family and he, he, he wants to be home the problem is he has four years on his contract with Manchester City who spent an offensive amount of money to bring him to the club and you know a 47 million pound PR stunt that one was although of course he he has performed on the pitch as well um, yeah,
0: because what, whatever you say about Carlos Tevez, he's pretty professional on the pitch, isn't he? You know?
1: Yeah, he 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 does absolutely everything for the team, and uh, he that's what he did at United, and he's that kind of all energy. But he also he's uh, he's scoring way more goals at City than he ever did for United. So I wouldn't exactly say it's value for money, but I, I think at the time uh, we said, didn't we, that the. Um, the whole point about city spending was uh one step at a time so you know it might be 47 million pounds but that's value for money if they can get in the top four which is not certain by any means this season i think whenever Spurs get knocked out of the champions league whether it's uh, in the group stages or uh, i guess more likely now when he gets to the knockout rounds They will give City a run. At the moment, they're struggling to play
0: two games a week,
1: um, while Spurs, but but City's form's not wonderful either.
0: Well, I mean, I think there's a... a, I mean, I'm not saying it's definitely going to happen, but there is a distinct possibility that City will really crumble at this point because... um, for all whatever quality they've got in their squad, they obviously lack cohesion. They're obviously not getting on with the manager, and the same very same thing happened last season when they started really strongly mm. and everyone thought, "Oh wait, are they for real?" And well,
1: they've got there. another seven games until uh, he's up with the same number of games that Mark Hughes had last season, and of course he's behind on the point count now. Uh, so we'll see, we'll see. I mean, they surely the precedent set was was set with Hughes. They'll have to sack him if he's uh, if he's not about to qualified for the fourth spot uh, and it looks like they're not going to do it I think I think Mancini's problem is and a lot of people identified this They're just very negative they play with three defensive midfielders sometimes Uh, not not always but they have done and uh, you you kind of you know think if they really want to win the uh, title they've got to pick up more points sometimes you know you need the win not the draw
0: yeah which is something that Sir Alex Ferguson knows uh, all too well and has learnt increasingly in his 24 years in charge of Manchester United happy anniversary Sir Alex yes that's tomorrow
1: 24 years wow what a what a 24 year. where's that all gone I remember, I do actually remember
0: the day he was appointed so you know it's making me feel very old and... yeah I, 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 I vaguely you're like a a year and a bit older than me. I, I remember Ron Atkinson being the manager, and I remember Sir Alex Ferguson then being the manager. And I think I remember hearing it, but you probably told me, to be honest. It's been a heck of a 24 years. It's been a heck of a 24 years, and obviously, you
1: know, he's a, he's a very complex man as well, isn't he? And, and uh, personally, he's... Paranoid, but he's driven. Uh, He seems to have this incredible amount of energy. I mean, obviously, he's built up a huge bank of credit uh, with all United fans for the amount of um, trophies he's won United, and he's holding this club together or this team together at the moment. But, you know, in many ways, his legacy for me and for many other fans uh, will be tainted by his acquiescence to the Glazers, his very, very pivotal role. In the whole horse affair, that actually you know created the environment for the Glazers to take over. Uh, his his proactive defending of them, uh, and uh, you know the fact that he could have stopped it, and he just hasn't shut up about the Glazer family ever since. His very aggressive attitude towards the fans; where they can f off and go and support Chelsea. Uh, you should uh, hear him. We'll get onto this in a bit, but hear him be asked about FC United and Manchester, and watch him blow. It's uh, it's quite funny, and so I, I think um, I don't think his legacy will be as straightforward as he's the most successful manager in United's history. I think he has also presided over one of the most tawdry, unpleasant. Uh, phases in United's history uh, Which has not been completed yet And we don't know exactly where it will end With all the deaths And he was actually very, very central to that So a magnificent 24 years on the pitch Off the pitch, I'm not sure that you could class him The, uh, the same category as, as, uh, as say, Busby now uh, It's not a view that's universally shared, of course
0: No, I mean, I, I think um, he will be remembered As a Samat Busby-esque figure Sir Alex Ferguson's name will be sung at Old Trafford for as long as, you know, there's living memory and possibly even beyond because the thing that football fans value above all else is success on the pitch. I mean, I really think that's that's it's kind of unfortunate, but it is the case. I think the Rooney contract fiasco just showed how uh, how desperately United fans want to be behind Sir Alex Ferguson because it took two seconds for all that stuff to be Forgotten and you know, Alex Ferguson's status as a hero uh, of the fans to be you know, a hero of the fans who truly understands Manchester United that that status came flooding back and was, was will be granted to him in perpetuity by most football fans. I think, um, I mean, even if United's you know, financial the, the chickens really come home to roost and, and the club is seriously seriously damaged forever by the Glazers' ownership, I still think Sir Alex will be fondly remembered for uh, for all the trophies he won and all that Siege mentality and all that United first and everyone else second, you know, that that he's in, he's kind of played the role of embodying. I don't disagree with a single point you made. I just think that will not be a significant part of the way he is remembered by the majority of fans because most people aren't paying that close attention. No, well, there you, there you go, 20,
1: 24 years and uh, I... At a guess uh, Would say he will make his 25th anniversary But not the 26th I, I think retirement in summer 2012 Is the most likely scenario And, and Jose will ride into town and Jose, uh, Jose, Jose. Jose Jose will ride into town uh, and uh, that will be a, another very complex man in charge at United. Perhaps the uh, the only man on the planet with an ego big enough to take over from uh, Ferguson after twenty five and a half years. It will be
0: then. Um, during the during the week, um, at Owate ninety one uh, tweeted us um, a a video that was on the BBC site from BBC Three, I think, of uh, you know Special One TV, the puppet Mourinho, which I've only seen a couple of times, and it was genuinely absolutely hilarious there's just this this conversation between where sir alex rings in and says all right jose just ringing to confirm the thing you know that thing we talked about and jose go oh well we're not ready to talk about the thing yet no no but there's we've still got the thing it was it's just very funny and yes obviously the thing being that jose there's a done deal in place to put jose in charge after alex leaves
1: Yes, and and the word this week, of course, was that Wayne Rooney had been told that uh, Jose will be taking over in two thousand and twelve. It could happen sooner, of course,
0: if if Real Madrid won the European Cup this year. <laughs> Jose, Jose's victory can, you know, this crazy thing that he's got in his head, whereby if he wins something with a club, he has to immediately leave. Yeah, it's it's odd.
1: I wonder how many years he'll commit to United. I mean, yeah, you know, history says
0: it won't be any more than three. But the, the, only, the only thing is, though, unless he's going to go and manage Barcelona, which seems a little bit unlikely, what's he going to do afterwards? Well, because...
1: uh, there's the national team, and it depends on when he wants to retire. He, he doesn't seem like the kind of character we'll go till he's 70, and uh, he's what, he, I guess he'll be just knocking on 50 when he takes over at united. You know, maybe he'd want to do 3 years at united and and then do the national team for a few years and then retire.
0: Extraordinary career he seems to be in the middle of Jose Mourinho just managing all the top clubs in Europe one at a time winning the Champions League with them and then moving on. It's
1: I've I've been reading Patrick Barclay's uh Football Bloody Hell the uh, the what seems like the 57th biography of of Alex Ferguson. <laughs> the the, the, the Have been quite a few, and uh, I did wonder why there needed to be another one. And I I will write a review up for the website. It's it's quite a hefty read, and I. I'm uh, fitting it in around writing writing for the website and the real world. And uh, actually, I'm writing a book as well, uh, which I will I will shill to everybody on United Rant uh, heavily at some point in probably 2011 when I actually finish it. Um, yeah, pre- prepare for us to drop mentions of that book every week on
0: the Rantcast without fail.
1: <laughs> yeah, anyway, so Pat- Patrick Barclay's book, which is, you know, it's a decent insight. I don't think Ferguson had anything to worry about um, in terms of breaking down some barriers that were there in terms of Ferguson. I think it's it's very strong on Ferguson's early years, not so strong on the later years, and I I don't think he's really given us much insight. But anyway, so Patrick Barkley's effective summary of Ferguson is that he's a a brilliant manager, uh, hugely successful, but not touched by the genius of Brian Clough and Jose Mourinho. And, you know, it's a controversial uh, opinion, I guess. But I just thought it was an interesting... An interesting take on the two men, and uh, he he does believe that uh, Jose is a genius and uh,
0: Ferguson not. Very interesting. It's very interesting. I don't know. I, I think it's kind of hard to argue that, really. I, I think it's, I think it's pr- perhaps mis misapplying what. Well, I guess I guess actually it all depends on how much value you attach to that touch of football genius. Um, I, In order to become a successful manager and actually is just a a, a deeper and is a broader but less extravagant type of ability, more effective at running a football club and becoming successful than a spike of genius. You know, just to be able to make a brilliant substitution does not a great manager make, obviously. Of course, they're they're a different generation, aren't they?
1: Uh, Ferguson embodied everything about Manchester United he he took over everything from the players and team selection right through to the youth team and, and over the years he's divested some of that control out to people and and I guess Manchester United has grown at the same time whereas as Jose has, has almost always worked in a different system where his main responsibility was the first team squad and and nothing else beyond it really even Chelsea had obviously some very complex politics politics at Chelsea but they they had all those layers in place and effectively had a director of football although he wasn't called it but um, and then has worked in that system ever since at Inter and Real Madrid so it'll be interesting to see um, assuming he comes in in 2012 exactly how United play it because I don't think it's going to be a like-for-like replacement clearly not in personality but also I think in terms of their their managerial abilities and a lot of criticism about Jose Mourinho has been about his record in the transfer market or the style of play or his record on developing youth and I think a lot of that is attributed to exactly how he has worked as well and and so you know I wouldn't be surprised uh, given that David Gill for all his his lover of the cretins in, in Tampa. He's a very smart executive, David Gill, and I think they might look at changing the structure when uh, uh, Jose comes in.
0: I mean, the, the, the thing about um, if your life's mission is to manage every major club in Europe to the Champions League at some point before you retire. Developing youth is obviously much less of a priority for you because it's, it's not part of your mission. You know, you don't, you don't need to do that if you're going to stay at the club for three years, build a team to win the Champions League and then leave. It doesn't, doesn't matter what's going on with youth development, do you? But if you're no. Sir Alex and you're building legacy and trying to build multiple successful teams, well, not trying to build multiple, building multiple successful teams, youth development's obviously a very important part of that. Although, so much of Sir Alex Ferguson's success has been down to good fortune, which is not to say that he hasn 't earned that good fortune, or you know he 's not extremely he 's not the best ever i 'm not saying he 's not because I, I think he probably is, but the generation that came through was a one off um, and it 's never been repeated since, and yet he 'll always have a reputation as a great um, a great developer of youth. He brought through the best generation of players that 's come through a football club in modern times. By an absolute country mile well
1: I, Barcelona would have
0: a, an argument with that one, of course, uh, because oh, uh, so, yeah. so so many
1: of their their team now have come through the uh, come through the system there but yeah I mean that was that was fortunate i mean it was uh, you could say it was down to his uh, very you know, dedication to changing the youth system at United, and you could say conversely that the failure relative failure in recent years actually I think it is a failure i think. What can we say? Johnny Evans, Darren Fletcher, John O'Shea and Wes Brown since 1998 or so have come through and made it as first team regulars. Uh, Darren Gibson's obviously on the fringe and then uh, some younger players in the squad now have been bought in. But you could say the globalisation of the youth market, uh, together with some very stupid FA rules on, on only being allowed to recruit people from within a 90 minute drive, have hindered the ability of United to get local boys through into the team as they did in in 92 and onwards Uh, but I I think, you know, you you also do have to say when you're talking about Ferguson in terms of youth uh, that, you know, a myth has been built up and over the last 10 years there really hasn't been that much concentration on youth I mean, we we had uh, in in Rooney and and Ronaldo two very young players who who sent us to two European Cup finals in a row but also two very expensive players that we bought in, uh, you know, to be talent and and, uh, that's not quite the same thing, is it?
0: it's not and, and it's just yet another layer of the complexity that is Sir Alex Ferguson. you mentioned very briefly he exploded about FC United of Manchester he
1: always says he hates being asked and he's very dismissive um, he' talk about that's lot am I'm, I'm nay getting into that uh, you know of course uh, but um, no i didn't i didn't even try i didn't even try you're, you're the man for the accents, but uh yeah yeah he, he he finds it very irritating because FC United stand for absolutely everything against what Ferguson now stands for and obviously it started you know in a curry house as a initially an idea in fact i mean fc united all that kind of concept was was floated when sky tried to bid for united in 1998 so it, it wasn't really unique to the glazer era but they uh they solidified it and then built the club and they've done very well but it does stand for the kind of anti-commercialism uh, anti-glazer faction, it, it it says not only do we know that United are in debt and in trouble and these people are no good for the club but we're going to do something about it and, and Ferguson's dismissive attitude of fans who complain, you know, they should have said something before United uh, was floated or this isn't the time or they can F off and support Chelsea if they don't like it. Well, you know, some fans did F off and not only did they not support Chelsea but they created their own club and, and here they are, uh, probably on the biggest day in the club's history now, about to play the first round of the FA Cup and there's con- Conceivably, still a chance although there? This is a team four divisions above them that they could end up playing United at some point in this competition.
0: That that would be amazing. Um, uh, yeah. And I, of
1: course, the irony play. is if if it just say paint this scenario, they uh they win they win tonight and they they win the the, uh, the second round, they through the third third round draw a game at Old Trafford. There will be no FC fans there because they're committed to not giving any money to the
0: Glazer family. So not a single one of them will buy a ticket for the away section. I don't know. It's obviously a very delicate subject, FC United of Manchester, because any kind of splinter movement always will be. And a lot of United fans are very angry about the existence of FC United of Manchester. And and you, you can't just change your team allegiance. But I have to say that if I was in a position to go to games week in and week out which I'm um, I kind of never have been but if I was in that position I would go and see FC United at Manchester I, I would it's it's cuz you know I would much rather I don't know uh, in terms of the 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 experience of going to see them the versus ball game it's kind of depressing watching the versus ball game actually just because of that extra extraordinary support from the 80th minute onwards basically when their team was 3-0 down and the place was going absolutely ballistic
1: oh it was actually it was, actually, it was it... wonderful to watch actually i thought uh yeah, obviously a small ground, but the the passion the passion of the fans. A bit odd. They all turned their back and they were jumping up and down, so
0: slightly odd, but uh Well they, they, if they have to watch that lot every week, I'm not surprised they've worked out a big champ where they can all turn their back on the pitch. Yes. Well my um my uh my
1: other half is is not a natural football follower. She's uh she's from the States, but uh she, she was amazed at the unison with which they were all doing their actions and uh, it it was, it was like the uh the opening ceremony of Beijing Olympics. So they had you know, twenty thousand people all doing something at the same time. It was uh, amazingly coordinated and very passionate. And uh, and you're right. And
0: uh, we don't get that Old Trafford. And 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 there's you know the Old, Old Trafford. Unless you're sitting in the top tier of the Stretford End, you know it's going to be a pretty quiet day for you. You know, except when we score. And 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 I just I, I find it really uncomfortable. You know. Um, that 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 atmosphere—it's a very strange thing. And, yeah, uh, it, it it does seem to crank up for the big games. Yeah, of course. And w- another
1: indictment of United's support, or the support that—I—I I should qualify that and say the support that is at Old Trafford, of course a lot of people have walked away from their season tickets in recent seasons uh, for all the reasons we've we've spoken about. And and yeah, but it is an indictment of of the support inside Old Trafford at the moment that is so quiet sometimes, and that it should get uh, noisy for the bigger games. Shouldn't we support our side, whatever the game?
0: When they're 3-0 down
1: in the Champions League, for example. That hasn't happened for a long time. That's um, uh, no, true. Yeah. Um, so, yes, FC United's big game tonight, and live on ESPN. And, and there was a big debate about that for them because one of the tenets of FC United was uh, not only anti glazing but anti-commercial. And they have previously refused to take TV money. There's a, an internet company that streams um, what is now... The the Evo Stick League that is effectively League 7 and um and they did turn down uh, uh, some money there because uh, effectively the TV company wanted to move the fixture and they've been very against moving fixtures for TV companies now the argument from Andy Walsh and others at FC United now is that uh, they're not being hypocrites because it's a local derby and they can make a Friday game and it's all about the fans needs and uh, this wasn't dictated to them it was a choice they had they didn't have to accept it and and they're going to pocket a £67,500 fee which will go towards their new
0: ground which they're uh, they're currently raising money for well I, I you know personally I wish them all the best and football is beautiful at the highest level the, the game is at its most aesthetic when it's played by people who can dedicate their whole lives to attaining a level of kind of physical and technical perfection that mere mortals can only uh, dream about and Barcelona against Manchester United is still the, the fixture I would most re- like to watch because of the level of skill on display but It's also a community thing. It's also about people coming together and feeling part of something and developing pride in their own communities. And and, and both things can coexist. Yes, and,
1: and that's the thing that's been fragmented at, at Manchester United uh, during the Glazers' ownership, and it's one of the things I'm most angry about, not just the money, not just the threat to United's success, because that's, um, success is ephemeral, isn't it? But the, the community of Manchester United's supporters has been fragmented directly because of their ownership, and it's been changed, and now we're no longer supporters, we're just customers. And and in fact, sorry to give a second plug, plug to this, but this is, this is effectively what I'm writing this book about, the history of football club ownership, or rather more than the history, the what it means what ownership means and how that's affected football and, and very very clearly the Glazer ownership of United has affected the fans and how we support the club and FC United are the, the extreme example of that and the fans who went away and, and created something that was for them and, and it's one member one vote and the community share scheme which is, um, if you're thinking of spending some money in a megastore don't you might as well go and invest it in a club even if you aren't a fan of FC United uh, uh, what they're doing uh, makes a lot of sense and that they're, they're going to pay for their own ground, some with grants, but a lot of it's um, through this community share scheme where people can invest in their own team very directly and, and it's there for the community and the facilities will be used for the community as well. And I don't think anyone, it, whatever you feel about FC United, I don't, anyone can say that's a bad model for football. It's the right model for football, surely.
0: Yeah, I'm with you there, brother. Power to the people. Um, so I think that probably wraps it up for this week's Rantcast. Uh, it's been another long one. Um, and I, I for one have enjoyed it. I hope, I hope you have too. And uh, we, before we leave, it is traditional at this juncture for me to predict that Dem- Dimitar Berbatov will score this week, which I will indeed do. Uh, and also to ask you what you think the score is going to be against Wolves and. Manchester
1: City yeah I, I think I think it will be a comfortable win against Wolves not, not a thumping win I, I don't see us doing a Chelsea here I, I, with so many players out so I, I am going to predict a 2-0 win and I think we'll win at Eastlands and I hope and pray and would absolutely love for it to be another last minute winner but I really don't care yeah. when it comes I think we'll win very narrowly at Eastlands maybe 2-1
0: yeah, I think we're going to win 2-1 with the last-minute goal from Chicharito uh, to further his legendary status that he's earned. People need to change their use of the word legend, by the way, because uh, Chicharito's already being described as a United legend. And I think it's a little soon. Um, one thing very, very quickly, I know we supposed to be doing wrap-up and going, but I just very quickly want to point out um, we had a bit of fun because you, well, you said we'd probably have a scoring win against Tottenham, by which you meant that... Um, they would score and we would win but two clean sheets in a row um, and that back four looking an awful lot more solid with uh, Rio and Vidic in it it is and and of course Chris Smalling on on um...
1: Uh, during the week against Bursa Sport who, who uh, I, I'm impressed with more impressed with by the week I, I think the boys got it and uh, bigger test, of course for him to come and let's see whether he can do it against a, a really top quality opposition but yeah uh, really important I, I guess um, I mean Rio would definitely play against City I, I hope he plays against Wolves as well uh, he might come into the City game a little rusty otherwise uh, but yeah look, looking looking much more solid and part of that of course is Fletcher and Carrick playing a vital role against Spurs I think they had uh, 12 interceptions or something like that between them in that game and uh, they play that screening role very well and it's just much more solid much more likely to win aren't we if we're not conceding goals absolutely so uh, we'll be back next week hopefully on the back of two victories